Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. I'd like to go to FYF Festival this year. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You could do it on, on, on this on this app of well, ours? Well, I just, just I got my app, and yeah. I just got my tickets. It's just so simple. All you have to do is just check that app. It's, it's like one of those really nice things about modern life, because tickets used to be so hard you know yeah. anyway you just put the app on your phone and with SeatGeek you never have to waste time checking prices on any other ticket sites I'm gonna use SeatGeek to buy tickets to the Philadelphia 76ers with the all Giants lineup once we draft Ben Simmons with SeatGeek you'll never need to waste time checking prices on other ticket sites because SeatGeek does that all for you by pulling in all tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and you never miss a deal and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck that's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value you'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals to fit your budget. Best of all, listeners of The Watch get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code WATCH, and you'll get that $20 rebate. That's after you buy your first ticket. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter the promo code WATCH today. Also, I want to tell you a little bit about Harry's. Andy, do I do I look any different today? You look a little bit different about the facial area. That's because I shaved with Harry's this morning. Woo! Yeah, Harry's is this great razor. It's a razor, a razor handle. They bring you some liniments and some creams and some sh- shaving like, ointments. Like, like, like balms and tinctures. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's just, I had always had a problem intellectually with how much I had to pay to get replacement razors from my usual drugstore razor. You know what I mean? Like, what's up with that? Why does that cost so much? I don't know. That's what Harry's is saying. Harry's cuts out the middleman, and they let you just get a great shave for an affordable price. It's uh, Harry's like the name, right? But there's Harry's, a little bit of, there's yeah. a little bit of wordplay there, because you could be Harry if you don't use their product. <laughs> okay. see, what I, see what I did there? Harry's offers factory direct prices on razors, and they just cut out the middleman with no upcharges for half the price of the leading brand. Harry's has a starter set called the Truman, and it's a great option for new customers. Just an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shaving cream, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of the show. Tell me. Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with promo code WATCH. Go to harrys.com right now and look for the Truman set. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and enter code WATCH at checkout to get $5 off and help support the show. Stop compromising and give Harry's a try today. What do you think the percentages of our fans who are beardos versus clean shaven? I'm going to go 50-50, right down the middle. That's nice. Maybe this offer will change things. Let's hope. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan and I am an editor at TheRinger.com and an accomplished three-point shooter. And joining me in Bill's office, it's Andy Greenwald! No intro for you this week. Nah, I don't need it. We spend a lot of time together. I'm too consumed by the Brexit, man. I'm pretty consumed by these deadlock Supreme Court decisions. It's a crazy time. We are coming in hot today because it's, first of all, it's a thousand degrees outside. It's really quite mild here compared to what it was like earlier in the week. Listen... Hey, buddy. Hey, man. Before we get into it, we're going to talk about some stuff. We're going to talk about a TV show I really like. Yeah, let's talk about the... We're going to talk about the detour. Yeah, we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about... Oh, fine, you do. Okay, take it. YG's new album. A rap album I really like. And we're going to talk about Andy's airplane movie. I saw a movie, but before we do any of that... This is... You're going to talk about the Brexit. We got to talk about the Brexit. (laughs) Is that that a metaphor for what you did to your spine and back (sighs) yesterday when you took 100 three-pointers? Joe is there... Uh, and so he he's probably more objective than I 
that I can be about it. I'm still I'm a little bit I'm a little bit roughed up. In Game Six of the NBA Finals, there was a moment where Andre Iguodala qu- clearly had like in person back spasms, like in game, yeah, and was just crippled by them. And I, that definitely happened to me yesterday. Tate also, you have to know, I stayed in one place and I would just like pick a sh- spot and shoot. If in case everybody doesn't know, yeah, I think you got to set this up. I participated in a um, not for charity or anything like really <laughs> smart. I just did it. It was a three point shootout with Tate Frazier. Uh, pre- draft let's be clear about a couple things i didn't know about this i saw you a couple days ago you seemed of sound mind and relatively sound body that was then and then i was about to get on a plane yes i got on a plane yesterday as i often do watched a movie we'll get to it yeah and when i got off you were like text me you're like hey hey do you hear what happened i was like how did today go and you just sent me a twitter link to yeah. what you guys were about to do and i was concerned because tate's a big guy it was, Tate, first uh, of all, Tate is a child. He has the strength of like a child in the way a child can like tear through cement like the Kool Aid Man. Like I worry about him. He doesn't know what he can do. Tate doesn't know his own strength. No, uh, he was He's wearing a, a Giannis, a Greek basketball Giannis jersey. Yeah, and he moved around the the, the wings like a He's like cat- a bird. He's yeah. cat like. He's kind of like a pterodactyl of basketball. We basically are so in awe of him. We just use three animal <laughs> analogies, and we still haven't narrowed it down. See, anyway, yeah, I'm not doing great today because of the Brexit. Yeah, no, because I because I, I feel like I tore both rot- rotator cuffs. <laughs> but you're still doing a podcast with me, yeah. which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Andy, let's talk about The Detour, because this is a show that you brought up a couple weeks ago to me. You were like... Oh, yeah. I, I watched it when it first came out. I watched a couple of the episodes. Stars Jason Jones. Yeah, it, well, it's Jason Jones and his wife, Samantha B created the show. Yeah. It was part of their... their it's on TBS. Get Out a Daily Show deal with TBS. It's on TBS, premiered... Uh, Two months ago? Yeah, I think so. And as a sign of just where we're at mentally, intellectually, spiritually, I watched some of these episodes on a plane and I texted you. I was like, yo, you should get up on this. Mm -hmm. And you were like, (laughs) I literally asked you to watch it two months ago and you said no. And I have no memory of that. So I'd like to apologize. It's okay. I think that I'm not trying to say that that's a representative thing. In our relationship? No, I mean, I was thinking about this a lot with Preacher recently where I was like, three years ago, are we doing, are we clearing out parts of our week to talk about preacher probably and we and we may again our, our weeks have been pretty full of another TV yeah show. maybe i'm maybe that's not the best the best filter to look through it at but i i was just thinking about how much stuff is out there and the detour is actually quite representative of the kind of show i think is sort of flying under the radar now because the radar is so distracted by having to cover the, the entire mountain range this this is the thing and we're going to talk about the show in specific but in general you could look at it two ways. One way to look at it is it is a contained, I think it's 10 episode mm-hmm. season. It's fantastic to watch. It's even better to binge back to back to back. Now that they're all out, you know, I watch them all on Delta Airlines. They're all available <laughs> out there. Shouts to my men, my men and women up in the sky putting in the Lord's work. Um, so in a, in theory, this is the dream, right? Because the show exists. People can watch it at their own <laughs> pace and discover it. Incidentally, but, if I was up in the heat, I don't want to but, think about air like our not stewardesses um flight attendants flight attendants being part of like heaven <laughs> like they're taking me because there. that's how they're taking me there i don't want them to do the lord's work that's probably I want them right to do delta's work you want, you want and the fa's do... work <laughs> i don't want them to be like oh welcome, welcome to heaven to the last flight of your life <laughs> uh it was a little bit like the leftovers the other day uh crossing kansas um so, but I'm saying that that could be a good thing because the whole show's out there. People can discover it. Mm-hmm. It's probably not a great thing, though, if you're Jason Jones or TBS because you want people to be talking about it yeah. when it's 
debuting because there is still that window for ad sales and renewals and blah, blah, blah. Um, so sorry we couldn't do that because I didn't remember that you asked me about it. But I, I'm here to say now that, boy, I really enjoyed the hell out of this show. It is really fun. And so to set it up, it's a pretty simple pitch. And it's kind of amazing that no one has done it already because it's basically National Lampoon's Vacation, the series. Um, Jason Jones plays National a, Lampoon's goes to hell, basically. Yeah, or yeah. Fort Lauderdale, which is, you <laughs> yeah. know, pick them. Um, Jason Jones plays a very Clark Griswold-type uh Guy, family man, businessman who gets fired from his job, grabs something, prototype, we don't know what it is, and instead of uh, flying his family to vacation slash work conference, insists that they drive in a old beater station wagon. Yeah. And uh, his wife, two kids, twins, and th- the thing about the show, it is, it's very filthy, it's very funny, but it's a really nice style of comedy because it is, of course, each episode is standalone, but it's serialized in a very engaging way. And it remi- and it's a kind of model that we don't see very often, I think, because, you know, the New York Magazine article is about this a lot. Like cable sitcoms are sort of becoming a certain type of show, mm-hmm. a sort of vibe. Network sitcoms are still network sitcoms. But this reminded me a lot of, of British shows. And the other analogy I would draw here is with Party Down on Stars. And the reason why, you remember, you like that show, sure. right? Party Down was great. R.I.P. Party Down. The thing about Party Down that was so fun, in addition to its incredible cast and clever writing, was that it gave us some characters that we really liked, and it put them in very dirty, sexy, funny situations. And it's fun to see characters we like doing doing dirt, basically. Yeah. And the most fun part about this show, can we just clear out some space for the goddess? I'm clearing out space for you, man. I'm only upset that you didn't give me more time to browse my Twitter mentions because I just 30 seconds ago crowdsourced how to say this woman's name because I'm going to say it wrong. Do you want do you want to check your Twitters? I think it's Natalie Zia. I, I thought it was Natalie Zay. Okay. Or Z. If in a, in a in a if it was like if you had to bet your life on one of us getting someone's name right, I'd probably go with you. I appreciate that. This is going to be the one. <laughs> the point is, she is fucking amazing on this show she is the best thing on the show it's one of my favorite performances on tv in a long time now the other thing about it that's so exciting i mean she's always good Mm -hmm. she was really good on justified she's great on justified um she was good on uh what was that other she was on a show that got canceled briefly that i had prepared for before i did this podcast the peter krauss show Dirty Sexy Scoundrels? She was on Dirty Sexy Scoundrels. <laughs> uh, Peter Krause played uh, Cousin Ruprecht. Um, <laughs> Dirty Sexy Money? Dirty Sexy Money. Yeah. She was on that. Um, but in all of those parts, like you, I, when I watch her on the show, I'm like, the life of an actor is really kind of thankless and hard. She's been on good projects. She's very talented. But she is so lit on this show. And I feel like she must be having so much fun because she gets to do these crazy things and really rise to the occasion. And people don't write characters like that for comedic actresses very often. And maybe it's Samantha Bee's involvement, maybe Jason Jones' involvement, whatever. She plays the mom who likes to likes to get wet off a number of illicit substances. Like, right? She gets a little Ray Velcoro action. With, like, weed gummy bears. Weed gummy bears. Yeah. Yeah, watch the weed gummy bear episode. <laughs> she is just... She is just She's dragon fire She's on great. the show. And it's so fun to watch it. Um, you know what I was thinking about with this is um, there was an article in The Atlantic the other day. <laughs> this is a great lead for a sitcom talk. Um, yeah. and, uh, it was about Brexit. <laughs> and it was about how... It was about uh, sequel fatigue at the box office. And it was about how... The, like, the percentage is out of control about how many movies out this summer are part of an expanded universe or are a sequel or whatever. Yeah. And it was even... you know It's like 
how many of them had flopped or not lived up to expectations like neighbors two and right neighbors two is like you know as a tangent neighbors is a movie that i really really loved really fun and just didn't see neighbors two because i was good where we left things in the neighbors universe i thought neighbors ended with a period not with a with an ellipsis we are i mean do you remember there was a phenomenon that we experienced growing up that chris our children will never experience which is wishing a movie had a sequel yes there were a bunch of movies where i was like please continue this story oh how fun it would be to hang with this crew again and i i can't really quite remember i guess it was last summer but there was a national lampoons reboot last summer sure yeah i had the writers on uh, on the old podcast yeah ed helms uh starred in it and i imagine um just given the way hollywood works that at some point or another jason jones may or may not have been either up for that role Yep. Or in talks for that role, or circling, or that this project could have been that reboot. It would have been better. Um, and this is what TV, the role I think TV is kind of filling now is like, if you want to make your, your road version. trip yes. movie, you <clears throat> only way you can make a road trip movie is by making it a National Lampoon's reboot. But it's free. Or making it part of the Meineke transmission expanded universe or the michelin man expanded universe this, this, that's really and it's like a family running away from the michelin man who's chasing them down 995 because he wants to eat them yeah it's like i can't imagine a way in which this gets past a first meeting oh, as a movie oh, as a movie right and it's i think you I, this is a small story it's told in a very tv way there are flashbacks and flash forwards and there are little character beats that you wouldn't be able to do in a movie ordinarily and even the overall arching sort of journalist crime element to this show which we didn't really mention which is actually pretty interesting that they do it like this wouldn't be able to be in a movie but you can feel incrementally these stories are no these stories are not tv stories and the idea if you're gonna tell a story like this there's just no room for it anywhere else but television and And then also what's interesting is that that winds up on tbs yeah and that it's not showing up on nbc or fox and that so many other places are getting into scripted that you just see these shows popping up in the weirdest places. I, I think the point about movies is especially well taken because um, the other thing about this show is that there are some clunkers. Sure. Some of the humor does not entirely work. There's a there's a two episode part in the middle of the season where they end up on the plantation B and B of a <laughs> aging pediatrician slash pedophile. <laughs> I mean, you're laughing. I mean, we're all laughing, right? We hear the setup, I and mean, it's gold. But it drags. Like some of that is not terrific, and some of it isn't the best work in the show. But you know, in a TV show, it can be more forgiving. That's episode six. Yeah. Then there's episode seven. Yeah. You know, if the show is batting seven hundred, that's a really good batting average. Whereas in a movie, when you have, you know, if if you commit that percentage of it to a pedophile joke that's not working. It's kind of going to color the whole experience, you know. It's kind of—I mean, you know—depends where you stand, where you land on that issue in particular, and how funny you find it. But um, as a show, it, it, it hits the right beats because, like the, the vacation reboot you're mentioning, which I thought was fine. There were some funny things in it. Ed Helms and Christina Applegate were, were perfectly good in it. The kids were good. There were some great cameos, as there always are. It's your favorite film in these movies. It's my favorite movie of 2015. <laughs> it's one of the few movies I saw not on an airplane. Um, but you didn't want to spend time with these people no. because they're, you know, they have to bazooka bar for 10 minutes because that scene will go in the trailer. Right. This family is funny. This funny, this, this family on the detour is very funny. The two of them together are terrific. It's, I, 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 it was nice to just really 
want to fall into something and, and, and watch it yeah. in that way. Um, let's keep it going. Let's talk a little bit about this YG record. When we figure out how to say Natalie's name, can mm-hmm. we say it again, though? Just call, let's call her Natalie. Can we just call her Nat? Because you guys just watch the show. Watch the Weed Gummies episode. Uh, and listen to YG, because this is yes. probably our one of our favorite records of the year. I was going to say, it doesn't really, it is one of our favorite records of the year. Is it your favorite album of the year? Is it my favorite album of the year? Yeah. No, but it's in the conversation. Yeah. Because Life of Pablo and Coloring Book came out this year. That's true. I'm looking at you and now. And so did uh, James Blake colored Oof. everything. <laughs> you still Are you still rocking that in the 100 degree weather out here? Are you, are you just putting on and you're just like, I'm so hot. And you get in your car, like you crank up the iciness the, and you're I like. I like to get the windows up oh, and turn the AC off and turn on James Blake. <laughs> oh, my heart hurts. It's not how it sounds. How's it sound? Different than that. Tell me. Tell me. Stretch, stretch, stretch out those three-pointer arms and just um, let out a JB imitation. YG's new album still brazy. Yeah, it's out. Listen, uh, quick question, tangent here. You've been in LA now, California for four years. This is what I want to talk about. Not me. Have LA. you always known about the, the 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 blood thing where they won't say the letter C? So like that's why it's called still brazy because like he he I didn't he doesn't want to upset he doesn't I think I've heard about it but I don't like think crips. I ever saw it applied so he calls the neighborhood he's, where he's from Bompton right like and I assume they call it the state of California Ball, Ball, which mm-hmm. is actually that's that's pretty cool <laughs> they should actually Jerry Brown's on his way out could he just like pass that like at midnight <laughs> just before he's on his way out and Gavin Newsom is like what's the state called <laughs> by the way I'm so into local politics <laughs> the- I have Kamala Harris fire takes for days I wonder if Gavin Newsom would like misread it and think you just can't use the letter like B has to re- like re- replace everything he's like I'm the governor of California the governor of California. <laughs> I mean, is it? Are we allowed to joke about gang stuff in no, 2016? Not at all. Probably not. I apologize to anyone whose life has been adversely affected by gang violence. It's just like a weird. I just had no idea. Yeah. But he is. Are we selling people on the record yet? No. We no. should start. Uh, this YG record is, uh, to me, like a incredible anthology of LA rap sound. Yes. Um. It's almost like you took L.A. rap production like DJ Quick and stuff like that and put it into like a postmodern art exhibit Mm. and then rapped over it. There's something so clean and almost mechanized about it. In some ways, it reminds me of some like damn funk kind of production where it's like very pure, separated electro sounds. Very crisp. Yeah. And then he wraps his ass off for the entire record. Uh, it takes a little while for me to get into it, but it's very much like a a rap album in the sense that of what we grew up with, where it's expansive and has skits. Yeah, has like a loose narrative and, to it. And he's he is he's either funny or so pummeling it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but it just sounds like what you want West Coast rap to sound like. And it's interesting because his first record was I thought was really good. Um, my Crazy Life, I think it was with a K at that point, My Crazy Life, to avoid the aforementioned problem. But that whole record was DJ Mustard produced it, mm-hmm. and that guy does pretty well for himself, and he makes a lot of pop hits. And so the the sound of that record was terrific, but it's kind of interesting that he was able to move away from his very, very celebrated producer and then find this record that sounds, doesn't sound retro. Yeah. But this, you know, there are these moments, like if you listen to a Kendrick Lamar record, or any of, well, both of them, but especially the last one, Every so often, there's like a stray reference to like G-Funk 
or to West Coast Rapper to DJ Quick. Right. The kind of stuff that we, or West Side Connection or WC and Mad Circle, like Rap and Forte, which is all over this YG album, I think. The kind of stuff that we liked when we, we didn't love West Coast Rap, but the stuff that we I liked. We liked that sound, though. Yeah. But for Kendrick, it's just reference points. It's influenced where he is, but he's way past it. YG somehow is still completely immersed in it, but he makes it sound really fresh. Also, kind of political in a way that I really appreciate in 2016. <laughs> is that right There's a song called uh, FDT, and it's, it's about how he wants Britain to vote Remain, which is a surprise, because I kind of think he, he, he didn't, yeah, you didn't know that uh, he would feel that way. But no, it's, it's saying F Donald Trump. Yes. I, I mean, I would love to hear many more songs like this before the summer's over, but it's a really dope record. It's a really dope record. Do you see what, she, I mean, our man Shea Serrano tweeting about it like crazy. He goes out of his way to say that Why You Always Hating has a good Drake verse on it, but that YG bodies Drake on it. How do he you does. feel about that? Yeah. Drake gets bodied now. Drake used to only show up on people's songs and have like the best verse on him. Yeah. Like I thought he was like the guest star star. Yeah. And now I feel like he's there. He's kind of a punching bag on, on people's tracks a little bit. Wow. Yeah. I love Drake, but he needs to step it up a little bit on, on his guest verses. Um, all right, before we talk about Midnight Special, I'd like to tell you a little bit about a show called Mr. Robot. On July 13th, Mr. Robot, the 2015 Peabody Award and Critics' Choice Award winner, returns for a second season on the USA Network. Starring Golden Globe and SAG Award nominee Rami Malek and Golden Globe winner Christian Slater, Mr. Robot follows Elliot, a cybersecurity engineer by day and vigilante hacker by night, who follows a mysterious leader to join a hacker group, F-Society. They put their skills to the test, taking down E-Corp, a giant conglomerate that owns the whole world's personal and banking information. But when they pull the hack off, they quickly realize that they had no idea what they were getting into. Mr. Robot is full of stellar acting and one of the most uniquely shot television shows around. Mr. Robot returns for season two Wednesday, July 13th at 10, 9 central on the USA Network. Also wanted to tell you a little bit about Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, man. Spotify. The Discover Weekly allows you to lose yourself every week in the thrill of new music discovery. Can I be clear about something? Yeah. That freaks me out because it is really it's good. It's pretty on the nose. It's suggesting things I want to hear. Your Discover Weekly playlist is 30 songs that you didn't know you loved yet. How many do you usually love? I would say it's 30 songs every week. Yeah. I would say there's a good five or six that join the rotation, that get me into different bands. I And I don't like mixtapes the last mixtape i liked you gave me in 1997 because i like to make up my own mind but seriously this discover weekly thing is really better like... than chris's mixtapes or at least as good you get a brand new unique playlist every monday like a weekly birthday present just for you and the playlist is personalized based on your music taste the people who know about and use discover weekly love it like andy greenwald don't forget to save your favorite tracks on sundays before your playlist refreshes go to spotify.com slash discover weekly now to get your playlist Thanks to our sponsor, Mr. Robot. On July 13th, the critically acclaimed drama Mr. Robot returns to the USA Network for its second season. Hailed by Rolling Stone as the number one show of 2015 and named by Best Drama by the Golden Globes and Critics' Choice Awards, Mr. Robot follows a cybersecurity engineer who is recruited by a mysterious leader for an underground group determined to bring down the world's largest corporation. But when their hack is a success, the consequences are far greater than they imagine. Starring Rami Malek and Christian Slater, Mr. Robot returns July 13th at 10, 9 central, only on USA Network. Thanks again to Spotify Discover Weekly for sponsoring us today. Discover Weekly allows you to lose yourself every week in the thrill of new music discovery. Your Discover Weekly playlist is 30 songs you didn't know you loved yet. You get brand new, unique playlist every Monday, personalized to your taste. Go to Spotify.com slash Discover Weekly now to get your playlist. All right. Let's keep moving because this is a re-up. Uh, let's talk about Midnight Special a little bit. 
Oh, that's my movie. Yeah, that's my well, airplane this is, movie. This is your movie. You directed it. I wrote it, directed it. You starred it. as a child with special abilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought my best work was as Kirsten Dunst, to be honest with you, because I had the long, braid. long braid. No, I mean, uh, you said you had like a, a larger point about this movie. This is a Jeff Nichols movie that came out earlier this year starring Michael Shannon that you watched on a plane. I did. That I watched uh, in a theater. And you really liked. I loved it. Yeah. And it uh, and I don't know if I loved it. I thought the first half of it is incredible. The first half is is fantastic. And I mean this is this is the benefit of seeing movies on airplanes to all my all my people out there who are doing the same thing <laughs> to all my angels and goddesses in the sky taking me on to the next plane of existence. Um taking you to Bevan. <laughs> Take me through the Bevanly Gates. <clears throat> I fly Belta. <laughs> Belta Airlines. Um, the, the thing is, is that you're removed from the hot take cycle. You're removed from the having to have too strong opinions about it. And I appreciate it because it exists, because it's not threatening anything else, because it's already been out there and people have moved on. And what I mean is, this is a really, really interesting take on making E.T. for the X-Men generation. Yeah. For a superhero, for for a world that is much more savvy and much more saturated in sci-fi and superhero type movies, the movie is about um, a, yeah a kid with magical or superhuman or un, basically abilities. And Michael Shannon has, who's his father, has taken him from a cult that has been basically treating him like a messiah and is taking him to a place of unknown, unknown destination. Yeah, trying to get him there. While various government agents led by Kylo Ren uh, and various other people, including great, what's that dude's name? Bill Camp. He plays the uh, the sort of pudgy enforcer from the from the cult. He's just a great. Oh yeah, yeah. Face. He's in the the night of. The thing about I mean I the, the thing about the thing that makes this worthwhile, in addition to just being sort of an interesting topic, and we'll get to my bigger point, I promise, is that it looks like a movie. Like this, Jeff Nichols clearly knows how to make movies. He's I clearly like influenced he, he, by '70s cinema. The people look like people who have lived in places. That matters. Yeah, I think that he he did a really cool interview with our buddy Zach Barron in GQ, and he talked about it. Talked about this film and the end of the film, which I think is what most people had a problem with. Yeah. So the third act does not. It's got a cool set piece, but I don't know if it sticks the landing, so to speak. It's very ambitious uh, because the movie is very oblique the whole way through. You don't know what a lot. Nothing is answered, and I kind of like that. Yeah. Until and that suddenly, was, it his goes, point is just like. Yeah, nothing is answered. I didn't. I didn't make yeah. a movie to like tell you what yes. alien life is like or something or what ma- if magic is real or or whatever. It was more just. It was about feeling and investigating those things of like feel and exploring emotions with sound and and music and the music and is light great. and performances that are very subtle. Like Joel Edgerton is so good in this. This movie. is what I wanted to and ask Joel you about. Joel Edgerton's performance is so measured. And you have to see that on a big screen, and it's not because of the visual effects, it's because the subtleties of what he does are lost otherwise. I saw it on the back of a chair Yeah, uh, at 30,000 feet. It obviously commu- com- communicated I, I, I to wanna, you. I do have my point. I do want to ask you, I did want to bring up Joel Edgerton, because I, I am, I'm easing my way into the Edgerton-verse. I don't think I'd ever seen him in anything. I mm-hmm. thought he was like Jay Courtney, like someone who just didn't really exist but got cast and stuff. I saw him in Black Mass, another airplane movie thought he was okay in that in this he's, he's very inter- it's a very interesting thing because i thought his whole thing was like like jay courtney who's being forced down our throats as a leading man that he has the supporting performance and it is a very um non there's there's it, there's no vanity in this performance yeah. right he's michael shannon's uh running buddy from when they were kids who just suddenly shows up to help him with his son and there's very little backstory and it's all played out in the moment in the relationship between them and in his face and what he's willing to do yeah 
I started the movie very dubious about him, and then by the end of it, I was like, he's really bringing it in a very, very subtle way. He's Who, basically like Jeremy Renner. His quality, he has the quality that Jeremy Renner had like around Hurt Locker in town. Where you're, in that he could identify a property that was undervalued, and, figure out some granite countertops to throw right on it. Amount of work on it with his roommate Christopher. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. flip the property. No, he brings an incredible amount of weight to very light parts. That's well said. You know, uh, the guy in the town that Jeremy Renner plays should not be that good. That's right. And steals the movie, basically. Yeah. What is Edgerton's ceiling? Like, what do you think? You've well, seen Edgerton's more than really I have. interesting because he writes and directs his own stuff. He made too. the gift, which you told we, me I, sh- I couldn't you, handle. You are not way. allowed to see that movie okay. at all. I appreciate that. Yeah. But you told me if that you I blanched at the pederasty part of the detour. <laughs> like I would not <laughs> watch the gift. But uh, you you told me that I might not be able to handle Midnight Special because of the treatment of children. But I was cool with it. I don't know if it's treatment of children. I just didn't think like that you were into being endangered children. Yeah, he's all right. He's he's magical. He can shoot beams out of his eyes. I'm not worried about him. Do you care about like watching a movie if the parents die in the process? Nah. No, it's just the kids. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's I great. mean, that's how Mallory feels about movies with pets or humans in them, right? Like, she doesn't care about the humans. She cares about the pets. Yeah. She loves animals. Any Game of Thrones thoughts before Wait, we... Uh, oh, no, I had this? my midnight special thought for you. That oh, I yeah, this to say. big one. Yeah. Okay, so I was watching this movie, and I'm wondering if we're phrasing all this wrong and how we're talking about TV and movies. Because, you know, the big... Th- one of the... Th- I, I don't think I've, I really buy this, but... In this sort of golden age of television conversation over the last decade, a lot of people have been like, oh, well, TV is the is the novelistic medium, right? There was, yeah. there was a David Simon quote right, about right. that, too. You can tell this wide-ranging Dickensian story sure. with chapters, and you can really unfold something. And that's fair enough, although I don't totally buy it, and I've always had some issues or with it. Or if you did ever buy it, I don't think that the promise has been fulfilled upon. Fair, yeah, exactly. Can we start thinking about movies as a more malign genre, which is the short story? Because I think in the past, and we've talked about the difference between TV and movies, I've often said that the thing about movies is that they have to tell the complete story. So you have to pace it differently. You have to pick the right story. You have to pick the right in and out. Because you don't have the luxury of five seasons, seven seasons to tell an overarching, you know, much longer, more involved, detailed story. Mm-hmm. When I was watching Midnight Special, I was like, here's why I like this. Because it's a short story. It is a really cool genre piece that you pick up in a collection of other genre pieces or you read in a magazine or a, you know, Ellery Queen Digest if you're 100 years old. I don't yeah. know. And I've never been a big short story reader. I wasn't like in, in high school and like in college when you take English classes, you always, you know, people read like a lot of Bernard Malamud, right? Like you read like the great short story writers. Like you should see the Chris face he just sure. gave me. But you know what I mean? Or like... Yeah, no, uh, like Alice Munro, people love her. And I'm like, I'd rather read a novel rather than read like 400 frosty vignettes from Canada. Yeah. Even though she's a master. But I was watching this movie and I was like, this is enough. I think the analogy is, is I think you're, you're onto something, but um, Hollywood disagrees with you. Totally disagrees with me. Because Hollywood is not in the business yeah. of funding short stories. Exactly, but they're not in the business. In fact, they're not in the business of fo- funding anything that doesn't have the potential to be a trilogy. But that's what I, exactly. I can't believe they're in the business of funding Midnight Special. I cannot believe this got made. This was a studio movie or with studio involvement. It has a special effects budget, even though I mean, you could have made this movie and for And if this movie for, had for made peanuts. $500 million, they would have been like, let's make a movie about where the kid goes next. 1 a.m. special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they know that when they made it, that it wasn't built for that. So they were taking a chance on, on a bunch of talents. Sure, but and, and I, I think th- they wanted Nichols to do Aquaman or whatever, right? They want to keep I him in the WB family. I think he did some writing on it, and I think he did it and didn't get, go too far with it. He's got another movie coming out this year called Loving, which is about oh, an yeah. interracial with romance Edgerton in the 60s. and Ruth Negga from, Pre- from, yeah. from uh, Preacher. And she is fucking amazing on Preacher. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, 
that whole model we should talk about at some point, which is that Warner Brothers as a studio, which was notoriously, notoriously sounds bad, which was famously a very artist-friendly director place. Director-friendly, yeah. Director-friendly. Yeah. Seems to be morphing into a studio that is basically trying to make the most virtuous, a virtuous version of One for You, One for Me. And like Affleck doing, he does Batman, so he gets to make Dennis Lane by night, yeah. adaptations. So in the Keep Nichols in the Fold, they let him make Midnight Special, because at least it's sci-fi, maybe it'll hit. And then he, they get him working on their franchise stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, I, I, we were joking about Runner a few minutes ago, but uh, I watched randomly on YouTube the other night a DP 30 30 like David Pullen does those 30 minute yeah. interviews with people and he there was one for with Renner from gosh what the movie I don't remember what movie it was for but he had just got he was like it's great it's so Renner because they're like well, he's like what have you been working on he's like I just got a got it's- a back back from Dubai <laughs> and he's like uh Dubai for work and he's like of course always work always work my friend and he's like, I did a little movie called Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And I was like, come on. Ghost Pro. Just fucking say you're in Mission Impossible. You're excited yeah. to do it. But what picture. Renner starts talking about, he's like, I love independent movies, but it's really, sometimes I was making those movies and it was like a play that never opened. And this yeah. is really nice to do art that you feel like lots of people watch. Art. Nichols has been making movies, Mud, Take Shelter, Shotgun Stories, if anybody gets a chance to watch, is amazing. It's his first movie it's pretty readily available and it's it's a fantastic Michael Shannon performance he's been working Michael Shannon for years um you can feel this is a guy who wants his movies to be seen by a lot of people not in a bad yeah. way but in the way that I think drove some of those 70s filmmakers like Coppola and Spielberg sure. and Lucas to be like yeah 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 we love the French New Wave we came out of 70s American cinema but we want I don't, a little bit bigger than that I don't know if I really buy anyone any artist who's like I, I want to limit my audience no but, but it, the one for you, one for them model that you're talking about, this is almost like, and in a very extreme way, that would be like something like John Sayles, who does, may or may not have done rewrite work on like Jurassic Park or something, yeah. and then gets to make City of Hope or whatever movie he made around then. But the modern version of that is more the Colin Trevorrow. You make one indie film, and then you get handed the keys the to the most Trevorrow expensive. Colin Trevorrow is just like, now I want to be Spielberg. Yeah, which I think he said he always All wanted to be. All these guys grew up with Spielberg, and that's what they want to be. And if they make indie movies to begin with, I think where they're trying to go is to be that. But I they're think, not trying to be Jim Jarmusch. But other than like the f- the best Spielberg of the last twenty years is probably the first twenty minutes of Super Eight. But Midnight Special is you close. Mean, you mean not like Spielberg ripoff, or yeah. you're just saying Spielberg across the board? No, Bridge of Spies for life, dog. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the best the best Spielberg homage, the best. Yeah. I mean, the classic Spielberg kind of thing. Yeah, right. Um, but I do you think this idea though of like. I completely agree with you. I wasn't arguing this point that like nobody Hollywood does not want to invest. That's interesting conversation. But but, but Hollywood doesn't want to invest in ambiguity. There's no question. But is TV to blame? Is it TV? Is it fan service? Is it a combination of? Or is it um, just fear on the part of the studios? Is it a combination of all three that has just goosed this sense of? resolution above all else that we need to know everything about what happens to everyone at you know all what? that's times. really interesting because in that way you could look at tv as the place where we need resolution and movies is the way is the place where that's, we constantly want expansion that's what i'm saying it, it actually is counterintuitive but it might make more sense because the one thing about tv that we expect is that if we if we if we get on board of a going? show where's it going we where's have six going? or seven seasons everyone's gonna get their moment. five theories about where this could go exactly right. and that fuels our conversation whereas fuels nobody the... gives a shit where x-men is going you know what i mean i mean literally and also like when you're watching x-men you're like, you're not like when you're, when is cyclops gonna find out this but you know? but beyond that like unless you are you know doing one of those like honest trailers where you just rip something to pieces like i the biggest screenwriting note i would give 
people who write movie screenplays for a living is don't tell me. It's cool. You don't need to tell me how he got yeah. the elevator or how he hotwired the car. Yeah. It's fine. Show me why he did it or what he's doing with the car. You yeah, know that's what I mean? why I'm always so surprised. I mean, you don't have to fill you don't have to fill 22 episodes this season. So you don't when need you to hear tell me about that. these movies, like whether it's like Fantastic Four or Rogue One, even which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, yeah. going in for reshoots and not like the tone isn't right, and then you'll see the movie and the tone will be fine, but it's like there's some massive plot hole. They're like, you guys couldn't have fixed that. Yeah. You know, but, like, what are you worried about then? You know, what, what was the thing that you were... But I'm arguing the opposite. I'm saying I would rather have the tone than, than the plot hole be speckled over. I don't mind it if there's actually characters in the movie. But if it, the whole movie is about the plot, then I care. You know, if it's a Michael Mann movie, I don't really care right. how they get from Panama to New York in five minutes. I mean, this is but also... if it's a comic book movie... I guess I don't really care in a comic book movie. But this is also enough. us always coming at stuff from the perspective we have with crime fiction. And we, we I've said this before, but like... One of my favorite authors of all time, James Crumley. I have no idea what happens in his last five books. I have no idea. Well, we're going to talk about this on Monday, and I would recommend if anybody hasn't caught up with it yet to try. That's what I kind of like about Preacher. Mm -hmm. I I fancy myself someone who's like able to keep these storylines and and discern what's going. I don't know what is happening in Preacher at all. At all. Like, I literally have no idea what's happening. And it is such a thrill ride. And the performances are so good. And it's so engaging yeah. that I'm very interested. I'm, I'm just like, I'll, I'm along for the ride. Character and tone matter, you know, and, and, it, and it gets you through. And to bring it full circle back to Midnight Special and the god Joel Edgerton, who I'm suddenly a fan of, that's why his performance is good. Because Nichols doesn't write a backstory for this nope. character. There is one crucial bit of information that he withholds until about halfway through the movie, and Edgerton delivers that revelation just as an afterthought. He tosses the line out the back of his mouth, basically, yeah. towards Kirsten Dunst, uh, I think, and that's enough. And But you know, the alchemy of having the writer who's willing to hold back and trust the actors, and the actors who are able to hold back and then communicate what's needed to be communicated without having the script to fall back on... Now we're back to where we often end up, which is saying it's amazing that anything good ever happens at all, to be honest. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, this one's dedicated to Natalie Z and Natalie Zia and Natalie Zay. The, the three-headed goddess. <laughs> the best uh, actress in America. We'll be back on Monday. Thanks for listening. Great job, Brinsky! Brinsky!